Hey there. Welcome to Keep the Torah podcast number 15. Today we'll read Exodus 27 verse 20, to Exodus 30 verse 10, Deuteronomy 25 verse 17, to 19, and 1 Samuel 15 verses 1, to 34. Following our Torah readings we'll read a few items from the Chabad.org site. 1. Tetzavah Haftarah Companion, for an informed reading of Ezekiel 43 verses 10 to 27 by by Mendel Duboff, and 2. Clothes do make the man. Why your mother was right. By Hannah Perlberger. First portion. Exodus chapter 27, 20. And you shall command the children of Israel, and they shall take to you pure olive oil, crushed for lighting, to kindle the lamps continually. 21. In the tent of meeting, outside the dividing curtain that is in front of the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall set it up before the Lord from evening to morning. It shall be, an everlasting statute for their generations, from the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 28. 1. And you bring near to yourself your brother Aaron, and his sons with him, from among the children of Israel to serve me, as Kohanim, Aaron, Nadab, Adabu, Eleazar, and Itamar, Aaron's sons. 2. You shall make holy garments for your brother Aaron, for honor and glory. 3. And you shall speak to all the wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, and they shall make Aaron's garments to sanctify him, so, that he serve me, as a Kohan. 4. And these are the garments that they shall make, a chosen, an effort, a robe, a tunic of checker work, a cap, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for your brother Aaron and for his sons to serve me, as Kohanim. 5. They shall take the gold, the blue, purple, and crimson wool, and the linen. 6. And they shall make the effort of gold, blue, purple, and crimson wool, and twisted fine linen. The work of a master weaver. 7. It shall have two connected shoulder straps at both its ends, and it shall be entirely connected. 8. 
and its decorative band, which is above it, shall be of the same work, emanating, from it, gold, blue, purple, and crimson wool, and twisted fine linen. 9. And you shall take two Shechem stones and engrave upon them the names of the sons of Israel. 10. Six of their names on one stone and the names of the remaining six on the second stone, according to their births. 11. Similar to. The work of an engraver of gems, similar to. The engravings of a seal, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel, you shall make them enclosed in gold settings. 12. And you shall put the two stones upon the shoulder straps of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel, and Aaron shall carry their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders as a remembrance. Second Portion Exodus Chapter 28 13 You shall make settings of gold. 14 and two chains of pure gold you will make them attached to the edges, after the manner of cables, and you will place the cable chains upon the settings. 15. You shall make a chosen of judgment. The work of a master weaver. You shall make it like the work of the effort. Of gold, blue, purple, and crimson wool, and twisted fine linen shall you make it. 16. It shall be square, and, doubled, its length one span and its width one span. 17. And you shall fill into it stone fillings. Four rows of stones. One row, Adem, Pitna, and Berkith. Thus shall the one row be. 18. The second row, Nofch, Sapa, and Yehulam. 19. The third row, Leshem, Shevo and Uklamah, 20, and the fourth row, Tarshish, Shechem, and Yashfeh, they shall be set in gold in their fillings. 21, and the stones shall be for the names of the sons of Israel 12, corresponding to their names, similar to, the engravings of a seal, every one according to his name shall they be, for the twelve tribes. 22, you shall make for the Choshen chains at the edges, of cable work, of pure gold. 23, you shall make for the Choshen two golden rings, and you shall place the two rings on the two ends of the Choshen. 24, and you shall place the two golden cables on the two rings, at the ends of the Choshen. 25, and the two ends of the two cables you shall place upon the two settings, and, these, you shall place upon the shoulder straps of the effort, on its front part. 26. You shall make two golden rings, and you shall place them on the two ends of the Choshen, on its edge that is toward the inner side of the effort. 27. And you shall make two golden rings and place them on the two shoulder straps of the effort, from below, toward its front, adjacent to its seam, above the band of the effort. 28. And they shall fasten the chosen by its rings to the rings of the effort with a blue cord, so that it may be upon the band of the effort, and the chosen will not move off the effort. 29. 
Thus shall Aaron carry the names of the sons of Israel in the chosen of judgment over his heart when he enters the holy, as a remembrance before the Lord at all times. 30. You shall place the Urim and the Tumim into the chosen of judgment so that they will be over Aaron's heart when he comes before the Lord, and Aaron will carry the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord at all times. Third portion. Exodus chapter 28. 31. And you shall make the robe of the effort completely of blue wool. 32. Its opening at the top shall be turned inward, its opening shall have a border around it. The work of a weaver. It shall have an opening, like the opening of a coat of armor, it shall not be torn. 33. And on its bottom hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and crimson wool, on its bottom hem all around, and golden bells in their midst all around. 34. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, on the bottom hem of the robe, all around. 35. It shall be on Aaron when he performs the service, and its sound shall be heard when he enters the holy before the Lord and when he leaves, so that he will not die. 36. And you shall make a showplate of pure gold, and you shall engrave upon it like the engraving of a seal, holy to the Lord. 37. And you shall place it upon a cord of blue wool and it shall go over the cap, and it shall be opposite the front side of the cap. 38. It shall be upon Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear the iniquity of the holy things that the children of Israel sanctify, for all their holy gifts. It shall be upon his forehead constantly to make them favorable before the Lord. 39. You shall make the linen tunic of checker work, and you shall make a linen cap, and you shall make a sash of embroidery work. 40. For Aaron's sons you shall make tunics and make them sashes, and you shall make them high hats for honor and glory. 41. With these you shall clothe Aaron, your brother, and his sons along with him, and you shall anoint them and invest them with full authority and sanctify them so that they may serve me, as Kohanim. 42. And make for them a linen pants to cover the flesh of, there nakedness, they shall reach from the waist down to the thighs. 43. They shall be worn by Aaron and by his sons when they enter the tent of meeting or when they approach the altar to serve in the holy, so they will not bear iniquity and die. It shall be a perpetual statute for him and for his descendants after him. Fourth portion. Exodus chapter 29. 1. And this is the thing that you shall do for them to sanctify them to serve me, as Kohanim, take one young bull and two rams, perfect ones. 2. And unleavened bread and unleavened loaves mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, you shall make them out of fine wheat flour. 3. And you shall place them upon a basket, and you shall bring them in the basket, and the bull and the two rams. 4. And you shall bring Aaron and his sons near the entrance of the tent of meeting, 
and you shall bathe them in water. 5. And you shall take the garments and clothe Aaron with the tunic, with the robe of the ephod, with the ephod, and with the chosen, and you shall adorn him with the band of the ephod. 6. You shall place the cap upon his head and place the holy crown upon the cap. 7. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. 8. And you shall bring his sons near, and you shall clothe them with tunics. 9. And you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and you shall dress them with high hats, and the kahuna will be a perpetual statute for them. And you shall invest Aaron and his sons with full authority. 10. You shall bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall lean their hands upon the head of the bull. 11. You shall, then, slaughter the bull before the Lord, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. 12. And you shall take, some, of the blood of the bull and apply it on the horns of the altar with your finger. And you shall pour out all the blood upon the base of the altar. 13. You shall then take all the fat that covers the innards, and the diaphragm with the liver, also the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them, and make them go up in smoke upon the altar. 14. But the flesh of the bull, its hide and its tongue you shall burn in fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. 15. And you shall take the one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lean their hands upon the ram's head. 16. You shall slaughter the ram, and you shall take its blood and sprinkle, it, on the altar all around. 17. And you shall dissect the ram into its parts, and you shall wash its innards and its legs and put them with its parts and with its head. 18. And you shall make the entire ram go up in smoke upon the altar, it is a burnt offering made to the Lord, it is a spirit of satisfaction, a fire offering for the Lord. We will take a short break and continue with the fifth portion shortly.
fifth portion. Exodus chapter 29. 19, And you shall take the second ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lean their hands upon the ram's head. 20, You shall slaughter the ram, take, some, of its blood and put it upon the cartilage of Aaron's right ear and upon the cartilage of Aaron's son's right ears, upon the thumbs of their right hands, and upon the big toes of their right feet, and you shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar all around. 21. You shall, then, take, some, of the blood that is upon the altar and, some, of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments, upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him. Thus he will become holy along with his garments, and his sons and their garments with him. 22 And you shall take out of the ram the fat and the fat tail and the fat that covers the innards, the diaphragm of the liver, the two kidneys along with the fat that is upon them, and the right thigh for it is a ram of perfection. 23, and one loaf of bread, one loaf of oil bread, and one wafer from the basket of matzah that stands before the Lord. 24, and you shall place it all upon Aaron's palms and upon his son's palms, and you shall wave them as a waving before the Lord. 25, you shall then take them from their hand desk, and make them go up in smoke upon the altar with the burnt offering as a spirit of satisfaction before the Lord, it is a fire offering for the Lord. 26. And you shall take the breast of the ram of perfection which is Aaron's, and wave it as a waving before the Lord, and it will become your portion. 27. And you shall sanctify the breast of the waving and the thigh of the uplifting, which was waved and which was lifted up, of the ram of perfection, of that which is Aaron's and of that which is his son's. 28. And so it shall remain for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual allotment from the children of Israel, for it is an offering, and it shall remain an offering from the children of Israel of their peace offerings, it is their offering to the Lord. 29. The holy garments that are Aaron's shall be for his sons after him, to be exalted through them and invested with full authority through them. 30. Seven days shall the one of his sons, who will be, the Kohen in his place with them, the one who is to enter the tent of meeting to serve in the holy. 31. You shall take the ram of perfection and cook its flesh in a holy place. 32. Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. 33. They shall eat those things with which atonement has been effected, in order to invest them with full authority, to sanctify them, but a stranger shall not eat, of them, because they are a sacred thing. 34. If any of the flesh of the perfection, offering, or of the bread is left over until the next morning, what is left over you shall burn in fire, it shall not be eaten because it is a sacred thing. 35. So shall you do to Aaron and his sons, according to all that I have commanded you. For seven days you shall perform their investiture. 
36, and a bull as a sin offering you shall offer up every day for the atonements, and you shall purify the altar by performing atonement upon it, and you shall anoint it, in order to sanctify it. 37, for seven days you shall perform atonement upon the altar and sanctify it. Henceforth, the altar shall be a holy of holies, whatever touches the altar will be holy. Sixth portion. Exodus chapter 29. 38, And this is what you shall offer upon the altar, lambs in their first year, two a day, continually. 39, The one lamb you shall offer up in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer up in the afternoon. 40, and one-tenth of fine flour, thoroughly mixed with a quarter of a hin of crushed, olive, oil, and a libation of one-quarter of a hin of wine, for the one lamb. 41, and the other lamb you shall offer up in the afternoon, you shall offer, it, up like the meal offering of the morning and its libation, as a spirit of satisfaction, a fire offering to the Lord. 42, it shall be a continual burnt offering for your generations, at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will arrange meetings with you, to speak to you there. 43, there I will arrange meetings with the children of Israel, and it will be sanctified by my glory. 44, I will sanctify the tent of meeting and the altar, and I will sanctify Aaron and his sons to serve me, as Kohanim. 45, I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel and I will be their God. 46, they will know that I, the Lord, am their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt in order that I may dwell in their midst, I am the Lord, their God. 7th portion. Exodus chapter 30. 1, you shall make an altar for bringing incense up in smoke, you shall make it out of acacia wood. 2, it shall be one cubit long and one cubit wide, a square, and two cubits high, its horns shall be one piece, with it. 3, you shall overlay it with pure gold, its top, its walls all around, and its horns, and you shall make for it a golden crown all around. 4, you shall make two golden rings for it underneath its crown on its two corners, you shall make, them, on its two sides, so that it should serve as holders for poles with which to carry it. 5, you shall make the poles out of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. 6, and you shall place it in front of the dividing curtain, which is upon the Ark of Testimony, in front of the Ark cover, which is upon the Testimony, where I will arrange to meet with you. 7, Aaron shall make incense of spices go up in smoke upon it, every morning when he sets the lamps in order, he shall make it go up in smoke. 8, and when Aaron kindles the lights in the afternoon, he shall make it go up in smoke, continual incense before the Lord for your generations. 9, you shall offer up on it no alien incense, burnt offering, or meal offering, and you shall pour no libation upon it, 
10. But Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year, with the blood of the sin offering of the atonements, once a year he shall effect atonement upon it for your generations, it is a holy of holies to the Lord. Mafta Portion Deuteronomy Chapter 25 17. You shall remember what Damalek did to you on the way, when you went out of Egypt. 18. How he happened upon you on the way and cut off all the stragglers at your ear, when you were faint and weary, and he did not fear God. 19. Therefore, it will be, when the Lord your God grants you respite from all your enemies around, you, in the land which the Lord, your God, gives to you as an inheritance to possess, that you shall obliterate the remembrance of Amalek from beneath the heavens, you shall not forget. Haftarah Portion 1 Samuel Chapter 15 1. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel, and now hearken to the voice of the words of the Lord. 2. So said the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid, wait, for him on the way, when he came up out of Egypt. 3. Now, go, and you shall smite Amalek, and you shall utterly destroy all that is his, and you shall not have pity on him, and you shall slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. 4. And Saul called the people together, and he counted them in Telaim, two hundred thousand footmen, and ten thousand, the men of Judah. 5. And Saul came as far as the city of Malek, and he fought in the valley. 6. And Saul said to the Kenite, Turn away and go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them and you did kindness with all the children of Israel, when they went up out of Egypt, and the Kenites turned away from amidst Amalek. 7. And Saul smote Amalek, from Havilah until you come to Shur, which is in front of Egypt. 8. And he sees Dagag, the king of Amalek, alive, and he completely destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. 9. And Saul and the people had pity on Agag, and on the best of the sheep and the cattle, and the fatlings, and on the fattened sheep, and on all that was good, and they did not want to destroy them, but everything which was vile and feeble, that they utterly destroyed. 10. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, 11. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me, and he has not fulfilled my words. And it distressed Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. 12. And Samuel arose early in the morning to meet Saul, and it was told to Samuel, saying, Saul has come to Carmel, and behold, he is setting up a place for himself and he passed and went down to Gilgal. 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, May you be blessed of the Lord, I have fulfilled the word of the Lord. 14. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears? 
and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? 15. And Saul said, They brought them from the Amalekites. For the people had pity on the best of the sheep, and the oxen, in order to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. 16. And Samuel said to Saul, Desist, and I shall tell you what the Lord spoke to me last night. And he said to him, Speak. 17. And Samuel said, Even if you are small in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you as king over Israel. 18. And the Lord sent you on a mission, and said, Go, and you shall utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and you shall wage war against them until they destroy them. 19. Now, why did you not hearken to the voice of the Lord, but you flew upon the spoil, and you did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord? 20. And Saul said to Samuel, Yes, I did hearken to the voice of the Lord. I did go on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and I brought Agag, the king of Amalek alive, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. 21. And the people took from the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the ban, to sacrifice to your God in Gilgal. 22. And Samuel said, has the Lord, as much, desire in burnt offerings and peace offerings, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a peace offering. To hearken, is better, than the fat of rams. 23. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and stubbornness is as idolatry and teraphim. Since you rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being a king? 24. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I transgressed the Lord's command, and your words, for I feared the people, and I hearkened to their voice. 25. And now, forgive now my sin, and return with me, and I shall prostrate myself to the Lord. 26. And Samuel said to Saul, I shall not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being a king over Israel. 27. And Samuel turned to go, and he seized the skirt of his robe, and it tore. 28. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to your fellow who is better than you. 29. And also, the strength of Israel will neither lie nor repent, for he is not a man to repent. 30. And he said, I have sinned. Now, honor me now in the presence of the elders of my people, and in the presence of Israel, and return with me, and I shall prostrate myself to the Lord your God. 31. And Samuel returned after Saul, and Saul prostrated himself to the Lord. 32. And Samuel said, Bring Agag, the king of Malek, near to me. And Agag went to him delicately, and Agag said, Surely, the bitterness of death has turned. 33. And Samuel said, As your sword bereaved women, so will your mother be bereaved among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. 
34, And Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Jibia of Saul.
clothes do make the man? Why your mother was right? By Hannah Pearl Berger. 5 to 6 minutes. Please note that all God references changed to God for audibility. Who doesn't remember as young children being made to wear certain clothing we didn't like? Then, as we got older, fighting at times with our parents over the clothes we loved, I still remember being dressed in an unlined woolen dress that scratched me with every move and felt like sackcloth against my skin. A child's only defense is to grow out of such clothes as quickly as possible, or find a way to make sure the garment meets a premature demise. As soon as our parents stop telling us what we could or couldn't wear, society who doesn't remember being made to wear clothes we didn't like, began to do its job. There was the pressure to dress for success. Although we weren't always sure whose idea of success we were even dressing for, part of this cultural view is the oft-stated idiom, clothes make the man. But we bristled at the idea of a shallow society unable to see us for whom we were, slobs, and our true value, freeloaders, and we didn't want to buy into creating an external reality via the perceptions of others. You can tell which decade I grew up in. The Torah portion Tetzava deals almost exclusively with the elaborate clothing, and intricate and ornate vestments that Aaron, the high priest, wore when he entered the tabernacle. Without this regal and distinctive garb, he could not perform his service. I can just hear Aaron's mother yelling, Aaron, put your priestly robes on already. And don't argue with me, let's go, God's waiting. Is this nothing more than clothes make the high priest? Some commentators state that the purpose of the vestments was for the Jewish people to recognize the unique and spiritual stature of the high priest. That suggests that our teenage angst was justified, and it's all about others' perceptions and external reality but that would be a very superficial interpretation. What if the outer garments we wear affect us on an internal level, which, in turn, can create a new external reality? So which is it? External or internal reality? Putting on the sandals? The Torah describes the vestments as being for the splendor and glory of Aaron, you may think that these two words mean basically the same thing, but they don't. Glory refers to our God-given qualities, our innate strengths and gifts. Splendor, on the other hand, refers to what we do with them. There is a saying that our life is a gift from God, but that what we do with that life is our gift back to God. In order to make that remotely meaningful, we have to understand the exalted essence of a human being. That's a challenge at any time, but put yourself in Aaron's shoes, or sandals, for a moment, taking up the task of representing the Jewish people as the high priest. We we usually think that attitude drives behavior usually think that attitude drives behavior. That makes sense, after all. 
we see how our actions flow from our beliefs and thoughts. Torah tells us that the reverse is just as true, if not more so. For Aaron to assume his role and serve the Jewish people, he needed to feel worthy to understand his inherent royal nature. The holy vestments, as well as the anointing oil, were vehicles to get to that truth. Interestingly, nothing could serve as a barrier, not even so much as a bandage, between Aaron's body and his vestments. This prohibition is meant to teach us that the physical, and emotional, impediments we place between holiness and ourselves, and between God and us, are foreign objects that don't belong there. Tapping into glory? We are all glorious. We all have God-given qualities, unique strengths and talents. But unless we know that they are there, we can't tap into them, Unless we know who we are, we can't comprehend our mission and begin to actualize our potential. May we all use the lesson of Tetseva to clothe ourselves in new behaviors and new ways of being, to remove barriers and create a new internal reality sourced in our glorious essence so that we can reveal a new external reality and create the splendid life that we are meant to live. Internalize and actualize. If you could imagine your life as the gift you want to give to God, what would your life look like? Are feelings of unworthiness, or the fear that you're not up to the task, holding you back in your life, whether in your career, relationship, or personal growth? List a few examples where you feel this way. How can you use the situations above and take a fake it till you reveal it approach? List 5 practical ways you can start acting in the way you want to become your new truth.
Tetse the Haftara Companion, for an informed reading of Ezekiel 43 10-27, by Mendel Duboff. 7-8 minutes. Please note, all God references originally written changed to God, to minimize confusion. Background the second half of the portion of Tetzeva is devoted to the inaugural services Miluim, of the tabernacle in the wilderness. The Torah describes in detail the various offerings and services that were to be done during this inaugural period, which lasted seven days. The Haftarah picks up on this theme, with God instructing the prophet Ezekiel to teach the Jews all the specifications and laws of the future temple and of the inauguration service that would take place at its dedication. Ezekiel's prophecies of comfort, including this one, were delivered after the destruction of the first temple and the exile of the Jews to Babylonia. As with many other prophecies of the bright Jewish future after the Babylonian exile, these were only partially, if at all, fulfilled in the building of the second temple and the return of the Jews to Israel at that time. In our case, many of the details foreseen by Ezekiel were not incorporated into the plan of the second temple. Our sages tell us that the second entry into the land, in the days of Ezra, could have been as miraculous and strong-handed as the first entry, in the days of Joshua, and the same was true for the temple itself. Ezekiel had prophesied of a great future temple in a time to come. This could have come to be with the second temple, but it did not, it awaits the building of the third temple. Why was this? Although the Jews had done Teshuvah for the wrongdoings that caused the initial exile, one this Teshuvah was not done with a resolve strong enough to stop them from collectively sinning again. Furthermore, intermarriage with non-Jewish women was rife, thus demonstrating the people's weak spiritual nature. Whatever the case, the people were not ready for the full and final redemption nor were they deserving of it. They did return to the land and they did build the temple, but this was made possible only with the permission of King Cyrus, and it was built without the visible and revealed hand of God. Two. Overview God appeared to Ezekiel and instructed him to teach his Jewish brethren the details and laws of the temple. One purpose was so that they should regret the sins they committed, which had brought about the destruction in the first place. Another was for them to know that God had not forsaken them, and would yet allow the rebuilding of the temple to in all its glory. Ezekiel is also further instructed to write all this down before their eyes, so that they may safeguard its entire form and all its rules, and fulfill them. Indeed, for close to two and a half thousand years we, the Jewish people, have lovingly preserved and studied the laws of the temple building and all the services therein, down to the most minute detail. As the commentaries point out, the verse alludes to the fact that by safeguarding its entire form the Jews would eventually merit the resurrection of the dead at the time of Moshiach 
and will be able to actually fulfill the very laws they preserved. The beginning of our Haftara is actually the last segment of a detailed description of the temple blueprint. Here the Prophet deals with the measurements of the Mizbach, the large altar in the temple courtyard. One interesting fact to note in this description is that the common Amar cubit measurement had different lengths for different parts of the altar. For most of the structure the Amar was a large one, consisting of six handbreadths, whereas other parts were measured in a regular Amar of five handbreadths. After laying out the design and measurements of the altar, the verses begin describing the details of its inauguration service. Upon its completion, a bull is to be brought as a sin offering. Its blood is to be put on all the four corners of the altar and of the temple courtyard, and then burned outside the temple precincts. This service is quite similar to the annual sin offering brought each Yom Kippur by the high priest. For seven days after this, a bull, a he goat and ram are also to brought as sin offerings. Reflecting the points mentioned above, there is controversy among the early commentators of the Talmud as to whether the inaugural sacrifices brought by Ezra in the second temple were the sacrifices referred to in these verses. Many are of the opinion that the description here will be fulfilled only in the third temple, with Moshiach.3. Salt on the Wounds? Ezekiel was active at the very beginning of the Babylonian exile, decades before the opportunity for building the second temple would arise. The prophet therefore was hesitant, why should he teach his people all about the temple, when it had just been destroyed and there was no way of rebuilding it, would this not just be adding insult to injury? The Midrash relates. Come and see, when the Holy One, blessed be he, showed Ezekiel the form of the temple, he said, describe the temple to the house of Israel, let them be ashamed of their sins, and measure the plan. Ezekiel responded, Sovereign of the universe. We are now in exile in the land of our enemies, and you say to me to go and inform Israel about the form of the temple, and to write it before their eyes, that they should preserve its form and all of its statutes and do them? Are they able to do them? Let them be until they emerge from the exile, and then I will go and tell them. The Holy One, blessed be he, said to Ezekiel, just because my children are in exile, should the building of my temple be left idle? Reading about it in the Torah is as great as building it. Go and tell it to them, and they will occupy themselves with reading from the Torah about the form of the temple. In reward for reading it, occupying themselves with reading about it, I will count it for them as if they were occupied with the actual building of the temple. 4. The language of the Midrash is powerful indeed. Ezekiel's problem was that the study of the temple structure and its service could not be implemented practically, and therefore would only cause pain to the people. God, in turn, rhetorically asked, 
just because my children are in exile, should the building of my temple be left idle? Meaning to say that the Jews did have a way of building the temple, studying the laws of the temple is the part of building the temple that we can do today. Thus, when we do it, it is not a mere memory, or even a preparation for the fulfillment of a future mitzvah, but an element of fulfilling the mitzvah itself. In the words of God to Ezekiel, the building of my temple will then not be left idle. This demonstrates the importance of studying the laws of the temple and of its service, in this way we are able to take part in the actual mitzvah of building the house of God. Five. In our day and age, on the threshold of the final redemption, the study of the laws of the third temple is real and practical as never before. May we see it speedily in our days. Thanks for joining us today for our Torah portions and extra insights. We hope you find the Bible readings informative and encouraging in how we're to live our lives on the earth in a way that is pleasing to Hashem, God. May the Creator bless those keeping His commandments. We hope you have a great week. Till then, goodbye.